Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Yolitics. Jason Whiteley along with Jason Wheeler here. And, uh, you know, this this governor's race, oh. there's not really a race yet. There's not really a race, but no. it feels like a race. Man, it is heating up. <laughs> Every day something happens. It's stunning to me how, I mean, there is a race. There's a race on the Republican side right. because there are several announced candidates now as Greg Abbott is facing uh, a lot of, uh, you know, competition in his own party. But uh, we don't have anybody on the Democratic side yet who has announced. And so it's not really a, a you know, a race per se for next November yet. But, man, it, you would swear that there's 12 candidates in this thing by the way it feels like it's, you know, the, the jockeying is going on here. So put us on pause for a second. Go grab a beer. We're going to crack ours open here and uh, we're going to dive into this one here. Jason, what are you drinking today, man? Well, I already cracked mine open uh, because uh, yeah, because I, I didn't it's trust. It's 8 a.m., man. What are you talking about? It's 8 a.m. You're already drinking? I didn't trust because, uh, you know, I keep looking really weak here trying to twist the tops off of these. things. I keep doing bottles. That's my problem. And so I, I went ahead and popped the top. It's a real ale. Uh, I'm stuck with this. Uh, nothing against real ale brewing company here in Texas, but I'm stuck with this Axis IPA today. This is... The only thing I have left in the fridge, some genie keeps putting beers in my refrigerator and nine times out of 10, that genie keeps picking IPAs. I don't think I've ever found an IPA that I like. So Mrs. Wheeler drinks IPAs. then. That's interesting. I don't know that she's the one putting them in there. These just keep showing up and nobody seems to know how that got there. Wow. I'm having a, uh, a rice lager. Now, see that I bet I would like a lot better. Let's try a rice here. lager. I've never heard of rice lager. That's interesting. And where is, is that made? This is uh hold on. Let's see here. Oh man, it's too easy. Wow. That's great. This is uh, by Manhattan project beer company. This one's called redacted. Hmm. Uh, and Manhattan project is, is right. Um, almost in downtown Dallas. You know, what's nice. interesting on, on the back. This is one of my new, new favorite places on the back. It says what all it pairs well with here. It pairs well with sushi, outdoor activities, pork, and yolitics. <laughs> you got one of the four. <laughs> it, it does pair well with Yolitics. It's a good beer. It's a good beer. Rice lager. I haven't had that. I'm going to have to uh, check that out. That Lagers I like. I would switch with you right now, except you've already started taking swigs out of that thing, and I don't want to drink after you. No, no I'm, like, I'm not going to trade my... I'm not sharing beer with you, bro. All right? We're, we're not um, doing that. But hey, before we get going here, I want to remind you guys about our, our phone number, because a number of you are already calling us, and we appreciate that. Our, our phone number is 214-977-6020-977-6020. And we already have uh, an interesting voicemail that made us mm. kind of crack up the other day. Donald Walsh called us and we were asking everyone at the end of last episode, who would you like to see run for governor? Because Democrats don't have anyone running for governor yet. So Donald yeah. called and, and left a voicemail here. Here's what Donald said. Eva Longoria 
guys, I mean, she's very active uh, in democratic politics. She's from Corpus Christi, photogenic, great speaker. Come on, get her on the show, guys. Challenge accepted. We would love to have Eva Longoria on the show. Uh, maybe that will happen. You know, Eva was not on my bingo card. So to Donald, uh, that, that was an interesting one because and, and it made some sense after he said it uh, because, boy, she was prominently, prominently featured there at the Democratic National Convention last year uh, when, you know, which was all virtual uh, yeah, as they were it. nominating uh, uh, then candidate Joe Biden. And I had never thought of Eva Longoria from Texas. But she was pretty active a few years back. I want to say like during the the uh, Wendy Davis filibuster and the, and mm-hmm. Wendy Davis's campaign for governor back in, I think, 2014. I I think she was pretty active back then, too. But I, I don't know. Uh, I guess she's moved more towards a national platform. Um, yeah. We need to pull her back into the Altics platform here. Yes. Plenty of history there. That's a, that was an interesting one. That's yeah. one name that I had not heard uh, thrown out there. We've heard a lot of names thrown out there. Uh, interestingly, though. No one has thrown their own name into the ring here. No, you know, nobody has come out from the Democratic side to say, I am going to take on Greg Abbott. Uh, and yet, Jason, the polls show that man, at least uh, one name might do better than we saw him doing a month ago. Yeah. So on, on Sunday, what, a couple of days ago, the Dallas Morning News and University of Texas at Tyler, UT Tyler, they get together all the time, do polling. And they just released a new poll on Sunday, and it is not good news at all for Governor Abbott. And it would seem to suggest that a Democrat might have an opening. Here are the biggest takeaways in there. Two big takeaways. Number one is that 54% of Texans think this state is on the wrong track. 54% of Texans think it's on the wrong track. And then even worse for Governor Abbott is just 45% of uh, the 1,100 respondents, they approved of Governor Abbott's job performance. For context on that, Abbott has always had huge numbers in this state. He's pre-pandemic. He's always been the most popular uh, elected official in this state. He has done great at fundraising. He's still doing very well at fundraising with $55 million in the bank. But his job approval numbers are a big problem for his campaign. Yeah, people will say that money is important, but it's not everything. Job approval uh, does matter. And, and you know, we have seen the governor uh, take quite a jog to the right uh, in this last legislative a session sprint. and in I these subsequent. A dart, not, a, not, not, a, not a jog, a dart. Yeah, right. more of a sprint. There's yeah. been a sprint uh, to the right here in this last legislative session and certainly in the special sessions that have followed. And and that's what I'm curious about, Jason. Does he take more dings because what he has put on the agenda for the latest special session uh, is, again, you know, there are some some red meat in there for the base. Does it play well with uh, the average voter out there? Does it play well with an independent, for example, uh, as especially as we get into redistricting, which is going to be contentious. And then there's the whole uh, transgender issue uh, with uh, kids in school, with uh, sports. It's going to be interesting to see how that plays with voters. And and the state's abortion law, too. I mean, there's a number of things out there that are excellent for the Republican base. But Democrats, you know, has it energized a Democrat to come forward yet? Not yet. And the whole Axios, I think, was it Axios that did the article over the weekend? Mm -hmm which mm-hmm. was nothing more than clickbait saying that Beto O'Rourke is going to run. You click on it, you open it up and see what's inside. And it says, oh, yeah, Texas political operatives tell yeah. Axios this. 
one line, and then it goes into a whole background about who Beto is. I'm like, come on, th- this is nothing new in here at all. But it stirred up uh, people talking about Beto again. So that that's yeah. the big question about whether a Democrat, Beto O'Rourke, or whomever else might actually get into the race. Meantime, uh, while there is not a Democrat taking on uh, this sitting governor, there are several people in his own party taking him on. They are to the right of him. And so, uh, you know, they are out to make it look like Greg Abbott is a liberal, uh, basically. Uh, but interestingly, there is also someone else who has entered the race here in Texas. And that that's why it feels like there are more candidates than there are. Uh, and that is the Lincoln Project. You know them from from these biting, stinging, harsh ads uh, that they started rolling out uh, against uh, former President Trump last year before the election. Uh, this is a group of uh, former Republicans and conservatives uh, who who just had enough. And boy, they just they make ads unlike what you see with most any organization, Jason. And so Rick Wilson is on the line with us. Rick Wilson, as you probably know from this podcast and from all over the place, Rick Wilson's one of the co-founders of the Lincoln Project. Rick, thanks for being back here with us. But let, let's start out with the, with the first basic question here. Greg Abbott has long been the most popular politician in this state. He already has an endorsement from Donald Trump. Is he really vulnerable in this coming election? Look, you know, we live in a world where where at some point performance collides with with all the things that the political class thinks are important. And I think Greg Abbott has 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 badly mishandled COVID. I think they've badly overshot on voting rights. I think that that is going to blow back on them in the end of the day. Uh, And I think they, they, you know, and look, and I say this as a conservative, I think the way that the anti-abortion measure was passed and the implications of it, which is to say you're going to build a a sort of Stasi in Texas of people to spy on their neighbors and report them um, and and a, a, a bounty system for reporting behavior, moral behavior you don't approve of. I mean, that slippery slope, I think, is going to cause more blowback than they've anticipated. And I don't just mean it in the traditional sense of like, you know, pro-abortion, anti-abortion, pro-choice, pro-life. I mean that in the sense of, do you want to live in a state and a culture where your neighbors are paid to snitch on behavior that the legislature doesn't like? Your neighbors are allowed to sue you for behavior that they don't like morally. Because if the shoe was on the other foot, and let's say, let's say there was a Democratic governor and a Democratic legislature that said, okay, if you own a firearm that's not registered, you should snitch on your neighbor, and that neighbor will be facing civil and criminal penalties. I think that would flip the script very quickly. And I, I think that I think the model of how they're doing it is more problematic for some voters than than the question of choice or or, or, or life. I was going to ask you that. Uh, did that make it a little bit trickier for you and your organization? Because you're you're former Republicans, but you still count yourselves as conservatives. Was it tricky to take take this on as you know, because the, the, you have the issue of abortion there, but then you have the issue of the way that this law would be enforced. Right. Look, and, and I'll say this. We're not a policy organization. Hmm. And, and and I have a belief that abortion is much more morally complicated than either side wants to say, than either side wants to admit. But I have a broader belief that government should stay the hell out of people's business by and large. In almost every single circumstance, government should stay out of your business. That's my, that's my conservatism talking. Now, that doesn't make a lot of my friends happy when, 
when the one thing they want the big government, the big state power to do is to stop women from getting abortions. And whether you support or oppose abortion, the model they're using here, I think, is both culturally and politically and legally dangerous for any state to pursue because it puts a bounty for private citizens to profit off of snitching and reporting on other citizens. And these, these women aren't out like starting a meth lab. You know, this is not somebody calling a drug tip hotline. This isn't somebody reporting, hey, I just saw a guy, you know, uh, you know, brewing up, uh, brewing up crystal meth. This is a very private decision. It's a very painful decision. And again, I think both sides of this fight, and I'm not trying to be Solomon here, but I think both sides of this fight very frequently misread the complexity of the issue on both sides of the equation. There are people that I know who are profoundly pro-life Catholics who, who also have a hesitation about whether or not the state is the way to enforce that. Do you change hearts or do you change laws? Do you change the culture or do you change, you know, or do you change this into a, into a, again, into a sort of a Stasi with a Texas accent where people are going to say, yes, by the way, my neighbor at 1234 Oak Lawn Terrace just got an abortion. I want to report them. I mean, that's a culture I think nobody should live in, whether no, regardless of how you feel about the issue. Let's go back to the uh, the ads that the Lincoln Project put out on on Greg Abbott. I think it was last Sunday night when the the Lincoln Project tweeted, "We'll see you in the morning, Greg Abbott." And I, I think that kind of uh, that tweet ricocheted all around the political journalism class in <laughs> uh, in Texas, and we're like, "Uh oh, what's going to be coming up here next?" Uh, you guys released, I think, two ads uh, yep. on Greg Abbott. Is this a sign of things to come or was just a, you know, this is just a, a one hit uh, opportunity? No, I, th- I think, look, both Greg Abbott and Ron DeSantis in Florida have become the poster children for this postmodern Republican Party that believes in trolling instead of governance, that believes in Fox News hits instead of instead of leadership. And that and that is failing utterly on dealing with COVID in both states. Both Florida and Texas have got a disaster on their hands, in part because of the performative leadership style of, oh, I'm going to forbid mask mandates in schools. I'm going to forbid you know, businesses from requiring vaccinations of their employees. And again, it's, it's, a, it's post-Republican because in both those cases, they want to use the power of government to enforce their whim and their will. It's not conservatism anymore. It's oppositional defiant disorder wrapped up in a desire to churn the Fox News machine and to go and send out fundraising emails saying, you know, I'm protecting your freedom um, by not by not allowing a company to do a mass mandate or a company to do a vaccine mandate. Um, and so we're going to be visiting both Abbott and DeSantis a lot in the future for another reason as well. Both of these men are very ambitious and want to run for president in 2024. Both of them are trying to set up as the most the most Trumpy of the governors, and they're trying to raise a lot of money, a lot of profile. And we believe still that Trumpism and this and this authoritarianism that's creeping into the the, the shell that was the Republican Party is something that's important for we to for, for we as the Lincoln Project to oppose. So you've got years now. I mean, we're talking about potential 2024 ambitions for both of these governors. You've got a couple of years now where you're going to be taking them on. You know, there was a there was a, a naive moment in the end of 2020 where I thought, 
yeah, we beat Trump. I'm going to go sit on a beach and write another book. No, <laughs> no. Uh, the, the, the thing that has come after Trump is more deadly and dangerous because, look, both mm-hmm. Abbott and DeSantis in particular, they're able to mask um, the, 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 the silliness and the stupidity and the racial characteristics of Trumpism and, and try to pretend that they're normal Republicans. Try to pretend that they still represent something the Republican Party once stood for. And that's dangerous because there are a lot of people who were uncomfortable with Trump, but who will slide into the warm bath of authoritarian statism. Um, you know, it's the, it's, the, it's the old frog boils slowly thing. The frog dies slowly because it doesn't realize how hot the water's getting. And so I, I think it's a real concern that it, it is a fight. And the fight against this movement that Trump sort of embodied and, and, and encouraged is something that will be going on for, for longer than we had wanted it to, frankly. But, you know, you've got to you've got to cause the political opportunity costs of being in that space to be higher than the political benefits of it. So y'all were no fans of Trump. We all know that it's an open secret. Uh, you think that DeSantis and Abbott are even more dangerous than he was? Yeah, and look, and I think I think if you ended up with with a, a, a Ron DeSantis or a Greg Abbott or Josh Hawley or, or or well, maybe not Ted Cruz because everyone hates Ted Cruz. Um, you know, if you ended up with one of these guys who has Ivy League credentials or elite credentials, look, look at Greg Abbott's resume and history. The Greg Abbott today, as you guys know better than anybody, is not the Greg Abbott that was on the Supreme Court. It's not the Greg Abbott that was attorney general. It's not the Greg Abbott that was, that was governor for four years before this. He has transformed himself. Ron DeSantis was once upon a time a sort of moderate, center-right, moderate, uh, smart, new Republican. Both of these men have transformed themselves into these sort of almost clownish figures because they don't care about anything outside of the hardcore Republican base audience. Now, in Texas, that's a pretty good start. Let's be honest. It, no one's saying that Texas is going to be an easy sweep or that you can blow, blow you know, Abbott out of the water without a very smart campaign waged, from, waged early on. And you push him into some, some box canyons. But he has done himself a lot of harm, we think, in the last six months. Um, you know, the failure on the winter storm, the failure on on dealing with COVID. There are a lot of things that that while the metrics of the campaign world, the political elite, oh, he's got a lot of money in the bank. He's done this and that. He's got a big network. Those things count. But failure counts, too. And, and, the, and, the, and the degree to which he sort of turned himself into a joke, turned himself into a laughingstock, you know, because and I've talked to a lot of like major donors in Texas, including a lot of Republicans who were like, you know, I don't like the clown show. This guy, he doesn't have. Why is he doing this? Why is he acting this way? Well, he's acting this way for a very simple reason, because it works for a very small audience. And it works also for an audience of one. Both Trump and DeSantis always have to keep Trump in the rearview mirror because as crazy as he is. If Abbott pissed Donald Trump off in some way, for some reason, there's a perfectly good chance Trump wakes up one morning and goes, my good friend Alan West would make a great governor of Texas. Well, let's explore that a tad more because we're obviously a long ways out from sure. next year's uh, Republican primary for governor. He has three opponents, one of which you just men- mentioned, uh, Alan West, the uh, former uh, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas, Don Huffines, a former state senator of the far right, 
and then uh, Chad Prather, a uh, talk show host. Conventional wisdom here is, is that Abbott should probably be fine. He'll have to spend some money that he may not have been anticipating, but he has plenty in the bank. Do you think there's a chance that Abbott could go into a runoff, Rick? Look, uh, if you've got that many people out there dragging the numbers down and they're spreading the peanut butter pretty thin across the board, you could end up with a situation where, you know, he comes in under 50 percent. And it really depends on just how ferocious the purity checking becomes in MAGA world. And and right now we are starting to see that, you know, Trump is turning on DeSantis already. He's privately, uh, you know, talking to people about that DeSantis is arrogant. He wouldn't be there without him. He needed his help to win. You know, if, if Abbott gets in that same box and the mumbling and grumbling out of Mar-a-Lago gets louder um, and, and, and the far right base gets crazier, because, look, there's another thing that's going to happen here, I think, for Abbott uh, and, and a lot of Republican governors. As the COVID problem ramps up in the winter, as we know that these things do, this culture war that's being waged saying we should take horse, uh, horse dewormer or drink betadine, um, that culture war is illuminating a large part of the GOP base who believe that, that Joe Biden's an illegitimate president, who believe that COVID is a hoax, who believe that you can, if COVID's not a hoax, you can cure it with, with generic things from tractor supply or the feed store down the road. Um, so that cultural divide of the craziness and the conspiracy world that is eating up more and more and more of the Republican base you know, Abbott may not be pure enough. You may end up with a guy like Alan West who speaks that language of those crazy people very fluently um, and, and Huffines who speaks that language very fluently. So you may end up with, uh, you know, an attack from the right on Greg Abbott, who, again, let's re- let's remember, Greg Abbott was a conservative, but he was not a lunatic. He was not but a conspiracy guy. Is that a success for you guys, though, if you're targeting Abbott and you end up with a West or a Huffines? And we don't know. We still don't know who is likely to appear on the Democratic side of the ballot. You said it would be, you know, Greg Abbott is vulnerable if somebody starts an early campaign. No one has started yet. Well, not just necessarily a candidate starting an early campaign, but you can get you can get super PAC money going into the end of the state and state committee money going into the state and start framing the narrative of the race and setting and setting the predicates for the race. Because, you know, a lot of campaigns, they're not one in the summer of the election year. They're one in the fall of the year before. Hmm. And, and I, 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 I want to like a little history lesson in 1994, Republicans won the house of representatives nationally. They blew it out. Huge win, gigantic victory. Bill Clinton called Dick Morris, crazy as it can be, but called Dick Morris in 1995 and said, shit, I got to run again in two years What do, or a year and a half. What do I do? So in the summer before the election, they started running ads about how tough Bill Clinton was on crime because hmm. that was their issue. It worked. Early action in these cases can help a lot in setting the predicate. And we don't know who the Democrats going to be. And that is a challenge in Texas because the farm team is a lot thinner than it is on the Republican side. All right, a lot more to get into here. Uh, Let's get a quick word, though, from our sponsor. All right, now back to the program. Rick Wilson here from The Lincoln Project. Rick, does it surprise you that we have Republicans lining up on the right, but considering the vulnerabilities the Republicans see, that there aren't any Democrats even lining up yet? You know, it's a it's a question. It's a question. And but I think there are I think there I think there are people who have been 
you know, tentatively approaching the, the edge of the game here, um, who are getting closer into it. Um, and eventually, I think they will jump. Uh, and I think it'll be sooner than later. Like who? Look, you've got a lot of folks out there that are talking about Beto, who, you know, had a had an ability to obviously motivate a lot of people. He got a lot closer to Ted Cruz than Ted Cruz would have liked. Mm-hmm. Um, he's certainly somebody who's out there. Um, but I, look, I think the field, um, you should also always look for, you know, a wild card. You should look for somebody in the business community. You might look for somebody in the tech community. These things are, are not, we don't operate by the same exact farm team rules we used to, which is good for the Democrats. It used to be, oh, I had to be a state house member, a state senator, a congressman, or a, or a, or a mayor of a big city, or a, or a, or a cabinet member, or a, you know, land commission, whatever. Those things are changing, I think, pretty rapidly. Um, and I think I think the climate, um, I think the climate of of you know its X's turn has changed a lot. And Rick, Rick you you sound like you know something. Which CEO is about to run here, man? What what can you tell us? Uh, look, I know there are a lot of people interested in the race. And full stop right there. Uh, I was going to ask you. <laughs> I was, I was going to ask you the same thing. Who are these wild cards that are popping into your head? Um, I want to ask you this just because you all have been so effective at making these political ads and you really sharpened them uh, during the uh, 2020 election. When you saw this, I mean, you all turned this ad around on uh, Governor Abbott pretty quickly after he made those comments about eliminating rapists from the streets of Texas. It was like 10 Um, hours. That's wow. That is some amazing quickness to be able to turn one of those things out. I know you all had a lot of practice. Do you are you able now? I mean, you all knew that Greg Abbott was in your crosshairs just because of his politics and 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 the way he has you know attacked to the right. Did you know you had gold when you heard that statement that he made? Did you know that okay, we, we've already got the ad. He is the ad. Like the, the his his statement is the ad. Look, he he walked himself into a box canyon and we were happy to ride up behind him. And that's how we work. I mean, we are we 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 are not constrained by having a boss or a candidate or a committee that we work for. We're we're constrained by what works. How do we win? How do we get to the X? How do we make this thing happen? And so, you know, just to pull the curtain back. You know, we are, we've got folks who are always listening and watching the social media flow of, of people we're going to target or thinking about targeting. And, you know, when that popped up in one of our channels, the, the decision was made in the matter of, I don't know, two minutes. Let's do something on this immediately. Um, we threw it out to one of our editors. He turned it around, you know, without skipping a beat um, because the ad wrote itself. I mean, you had Abbott walking into you, you want to contrast He's going to run on his record. Okay, well, here's his record. And he's going to make a statement like that, which is, you know, it's a giant non sequitur to begin with. And it's, it's, it's complete. It's a complete mess as a, as a, as an argument to begin with. But, you know, he's got to also realize that this isn't like the standard democratic party operation running against him, where they're going to put this ad into a focus group for a week and a half. Hmm. and think about it and worry about it and lawyer the shit out of it and go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and make all their stakeholders happy. This is why we work, you know, look, you've got all these, all these, a lot of these democratic super PACs, they believe in the perfection of the algorithm where you can massage an ad down. If you just focus group it one more time, and just change one image here. No, you've got to have a commitment. You got to go at the target. You got to hit the target. 
and you've got to do the work. And so, you know, that's how we do it. Rick, you talk about pulling the curtain back. I was curious kind of how that works, but you also talked about the the other folks you might be watching. Um, We've seen you target Senator Ted Cruz in the past as well, too. The other big race here that we're watching in Texas is the Attorney General, Ken Paxton. Yes. Uh, You probably know all about Ken Paxton. I do. Do you do you expect the Lincoln Project will have anything to say about that race? You know, one of the things that, that, that you know, we're not a policy organization, as I say a lot, but what we are is a pro-democracy organization. And Ken Paxton is not a pro-democracy attorney general. He is one of these guys who wants to get to the political goal no matter what you do. So he may be in our, he, we, we, may, we may pay Ken a visit. We may be a couple of other attorney generals a visit in the coming year, mainly because they've all been complicit in these anti, anti-small D Democratic uh, voting restriction bills. I'm curious about the the, the Trump effect. Still, the, the Trump endorsed candidate for a special election we had here in Texas in North Texas um, for the late Ron Wright seat. Right. Uh, the Trump endorsed candidate Susan Wright, his widow, lost mm-hmm. that race to Jake Elzey. Um, there was obviously a lot of Democrats who probably voted in that race as well. Too. We saw what happened with Larry Elder out in California and Gavin Newsom. Is is Trump, uh, are people chipping off of him? Or are people kind of uh, flaking off of him? And, well, I mean, uh, look, is you, that you have to cult take, becoming smaller? You have to take California as completely sui generis. That's, a Democrat winning in California is a real shocker, you know? <laughs> true, um, true. Uh, you know, California is, is a 25-mile-wide coastal strip of the bluest blue, blue America, and 200 miles of, of basically emptiness and you know, 25% of the population who are as red as Northern Alabama. So, you know, California is probably a bad model to look at. Now, the special in six, um, I think Wright lost in part because there was a sense that she wasn't like a genuine Trumper, wasn't like the real thing. And the Trump folks want, they, they want that passion and purity that they don't always feel like they, they think a lot of Republicans are play acting their love of Trump and they're right, by the way. Um, and so they'll often go for something, you know, more. They, oh, they'll often stay home if they don't feel all the love for the for the Trump endorsed candidate. Um, look, Trump is still the most powerful normative force in the Republican Party. He is still the most powerful figure in Republican politics by an order of magnitude. Um, and 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 frankly, no matter what DeSantis and Abbott, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and Marco Rubio and all the rest of these cats and dogs want, if Donald Trump is still alive in 2024 and out of prison and he runs for president, not one of them has a chance. Zero. They will roll up their tents so fast. It will stagger. It will, it will blow your mind how fast they roll up. He is. Do you think he runs for president, though? Absolutely. Do you really? Absolutely. Why, why do you think that? Because a lot of people are saying, you know, he, he doesn't want to take the chance of potentially losing twice. He wants the chance of potentially having back the protection of the Oval Office and the off, and the role of the Office of the Presidency. He also wants the chance to cash in on the giant grift that he cashed in on the first time. And now he knows how to really, really loot the place. So I and, and look, he is a boundless hole of, of need. His ego is absolutely unconstrained. He absolutely has to have an adoration and attention. And that's the place he got it. And now that he's been thrown off social media, 
it's also a vector for him to be to, to force them to let him back into that world as well. Because if he runs for president, Twitter and Facebook are going to go, well, we don't like him, but we have to. Hmm. He knows these things. That's that, that informs a lot of his thinking. And then the last thing I was going to ask you on that, too, is, is that, you know, with all the 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 uh, falsehoods he talked about with the um, fraud in 2020, we saw the same playbook being used in California sure. the other day. Um, what are the chances that could that, that could keep these conservative voters, these Republican voters at home? next year in the midterms in 2024. Is that, is that you know, we, we saw a little bit of that happening in Georgia last year in the special elections where we were very, very heavily involved in Georgia in the, in the, in the specials last year. Um, we saw a little bit of that at the very end where Republican voters were saying, well, I don't want to wait in line, but I can't vote by mail because vote by mail is fraud. Hmm. Now, if they choose to believe that, that the whole system is rigged against them, it's going to hurt Republicans up and down the ballot. And that'll be a real shame. <laughs> Tried to keep a straight face there, but I <laughs> you almost pulled it off there. I was working on it, man. Uh, so, does that become more dangerous over time if that keeps being claimed after uh, one election after another that there was fraud, or does it lose its punch? No, it's dangerous even now. Um, for the Republican Party, uh, if voters start to believe that 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 the entire system is fraudulent and manipulable. It will hurt Republicans, especially in, in more balanced states. They will think, ah, eh, they're going to steal it anyway. I won't come out. It, it hurts the country because, by and large, and I've written about this a lot, by and large, before this era that we're in now, voter fraud was a trivial edge case problem. Very rare, very, very rare. And voter suppression was a little more of a thing, but it wasn't institutionalized as it's now been in 23 states. So uh, I'm worried about a decline in the faith in, in our system of democratic elections, which sustains the structure of our republic. And so I, I think there's a very, I think it's pernicious. I think it's, uh, you know, it's cynical, it's pernicious, it's dangerous. Uh, and I think it's something we're going to face some downstream consequences for as a nation. Rick, we're almost out of time, but I wanted to ask you to kind of give us your uh, crystal eight ball here. The party in power in Congress uh, or in the White House, rather, typically loses in Congress yep. uh, in the midterms. Yep. It's 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 razor tight. It's in only the happened Senate. three it's, times. It's, the other, it's only gone the other way three times. Really? In the last well, what do you years. think is going to happen next year? What's going to happen next year? Well, the bad news is the Republicans are going to get 12 to 14 seats just based on redistricting alone. Where, where where the population increases in red states will lead to um, will lead to like I said 12 to 14 seats where Republican legislatures are going to draw the lines that's that in Florida you're going to get two Republican seats and they will be Republican seats and the reason they'll be Republican seats is the legislature is going to draw the lines draw the map and and you know you're going to see a lot of that you know so Florida Texas Georgia North Carolina Arizona all the Sunbelt states that are growing, also have Republican control of their legislative bodies. Um, so that's a that's a down note in the beginning. The second thing the Democrats are going to have a problem with is there is a deep commitment on their side. Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a game bird hunter, and there's this phrase about quail. Quail are always trying to die, no matter what you do. <laughs> it's like the Democrats have a death wish. They're like, we're going to run on infrastructure. What? What? 
It's insanity. They, they need to frame this as a referendum on whether you want to live in the snitch culture, authoritarian, crazy, Republican, anti-vax world, or if you want to live in a civilized America. And, and that's a really tough thing for them to do because they're driven by, the, by a fundamental belief that you can, you can sell elections on policy. And policy is a, is a, it's fool's gold. It's absolute fool's gold. You know, hmm. running on policy never works. Barack Obama had a policy of one word, hope. That was his policy. He didn't. Yes. And your campaign can put out a million policy papers, but nobody reads them or cares about it. Campaigns are about personality and, and about a big narrative framing of the moment and the space you're in at that time. And not about, you know, the nuts and bolts of, well, will our health care bill, you know, provide 41.2% or 36.8% of uninsured coverage? I mean, that crap drives people crazy. They shut off and they care about emotion. They care about passion. They care about personality. They care about drama. They care about spectacle. And maybe that's not the best way to run a democracy, but it's how we work. But if neither one of these parties can get that stuff right and they're frustrating people like you, when do we see a viable third party? You know, it's the hardest job. I'm, in I'm politics, sure you all have man. toyed Maybe with the that. Third party is a tough, tough hump. Trust me. I know we've hmm. looked at it. We studied it. You know, before all this, Reed Gale and I were both in the independent space for a couple of years looking around like, how do you make it work? It is so hard. It is so hard. You know, and, and although the Democrats would benefit from the emergence of a center-right non-Trump conservative party, they would benefit from that. I absolutely promise you their political immune system will will rebel against Mm. it as strongly as the Republicans do. Mm. The the bipolar party system in this country is very deeply wired into the political culture. It's really hard to break that. Mm. Wow. Rick, we always appreciate you pulling the curtain back on us. Absolutely, guys. Uh, happy to be back with on you. Us. Pull the curtain back for us, man. <laughs> yeah, don't pull yeah. the curtain back on don't, us, please. Yeah, don't, don't reveal our shenanigans <laughs> we over know here, how good y'all are at that. shorts, and I know it. <laughs> uh, we'll just have to leave it right there because that. we... That, that may or may not be the case. <laughs> I have nothing Rick, thanks, you man. Okay, uh, just judging by what we saw from the Lincoln Project uh, targeting former President Trump in 2020, I'm shocked there, Jason, to hear him say that, you know, obviously, you know, again, they thought Donald Trump was dangerous. They thought that former President Trump was a dangerous politician, a dangerous leader. And they're saying that they think now that Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott and Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida are more dangerous than Trump. That is a pretty extraordinary statement for for a group that was founded and 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 really made its name uh, taking on Donald Trump because they thought that he was such and a danger. News, I think he made here. Uh, Rick said he's convinced that Trump is going to run again in 2024. But, you know, a lot of people were thinking, that, you know, mm-hmm. that he might not want to take the chance of potentially losing twice. Rick said there was a 100% chance, in his opinion, that Trump would, would run again. What I'm watching for um, mm-hmm. is to see that, you know what, we're six months out probably from the, or, or longer than that now, from the, uh, the primaries next year. But... What kind of role is the Lincoln Project going to play in the governor's race and the attorney general's race? He, you know, Rick knows all about Ken Paxton and uh, and, and Chad Prather and and the others who are running for uh, you know those seats here in Texas. 
I am curious, too, um, you know, and I think he made some news here as well when he said that, you know, they're 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 in this for the long haul. They are they're taking on uh, DeSantis and Abbott and they're prepared to keep taking them on until 2024 because they see them as possibly having presidential ambitions in 2024. And so he's making the commitment right there that we're going to keep spending the money and keep coming after uh, Greg Abbott. So so making some news there as well. I'm curious to see this, though, Jason. We were just talking last week about where are the Democrats? Like, where is a Democrat in the race for governor here in Texas? Nobody has come out and said that they're going to run yet. I wonder, does this, and I don't know how this works, to be honest with you, does this change or weigh on anyone's calculus who's considering getting into the race? Because again, Greg Abbott has a lot of money. Money isn't everything in politics, but it helps. He has a lot of money to spend. Uh, whoever the Democratic challenger is, is going to have to really ramp up and try to do some catching up. But will they catch up to 55 million? I don't know. Does this sway them a little bit, though, to go, hey, we've got this other group that is going to be launching these missives against Greg Abbott and kind of doing some of the heavy lifting that I'm not going to have to raise the money to yeah, do if I'm the candidate. These extra attacks are, are certainly something that the Abbott campaign does not want. I'm sure that Don Huffines and, and Alan West uh, and Chad Prather, three of his challengers, are certainly welcoming this because these are the some of the things that they're campaigning on as well, too. I thought it was interesting when we asked also, what, what are the chances that Alan West or Chad Prather or Don Huffines might put Abbott into a runoff? Everyone I'm talking to says, nah, it's mm-hmm. just not going to happen. Uh, you know, Abbott has Trump's endorsement. He has $55 million. There, There's no way. But I always go back to, you know, think about who votes in primaries. It's the most hardcore people in each party. And the most hardcore people aren't that happy or have not been that happy with Greg Abbott. That's why Greg Abbott has shifted so far to the right, trying to appease more to that to that, uh, you know, part of his of the GOP. The bottom line is he's that uh, uh, Rick Wilson said the peanut butter might be spread kind of thin. With all these people in the race, yeah. and that that could force them into a I was, Who knows? I was just going to say the same thing. I, I loved that analogy because it really gets the point across, and 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 you do understand what he's up against here because you know uh, nobody likes it when the peanut butter is like very <laughs> thin on the bread, yeah. and and you do uh, understand how what that means. Is that? When you look at the last poll that came out uh, a week or two ago, uh, you, you know the yeah. approval rating for Greg Abbott was at fifty percent. And there's still a lot of time. He can right. improve that. He, you know, it, it could go down from there, too. So, you know, this is not the Lincoln Project is not helping the Abbott campaign at all, especially if they're planning on being. Well, here. and look yeah, out for right. the winter and look right. out for the fall and winter. Like he was saying, you know, uh, failures matter. And what if we see uh, another explosion of cases here in Texas where we don't have enough people vaccinated? Uh, what if we see another explosion of case, cases and things start to go really sour again? That's on his watch. And that could be a, a, a real damaging thing as well. So uh, that's something to look for. Uh, as always, by the way, um, Governor Abbott, has an open invitation. He will have the floor here uh, on Yolitics. We'd love to have him just as a, a solo guest for the entire beer. time. <laughs> I'm going to no. get him one of these milk stouts. It's kind of interesting. They may have changed my like mind it about now, stouts. It's good. Huh? I think I do. I, I don't prefer milk beer at all. I'm, I'm not. I'm not into that. It's not milk beer. Mm. We yeah, have to I'll, educate I'll you on it. these things. Uh, 
thanks everybody for for listening once again uh, again let us know what you think leave us some comments uh, and um, and check us out on social media as well and be sure that you subscribe and tell your friends and your family to subscribe as well because we drop these regularly at least once a week thanks for being with us again today